So I was thinking today I'm going to speak a little bit about what I actually want to teach on the retreat, which is coming up on Friday, from Friday till Sunday. And because I've just been teaching in, in Portland in a meditation center at uh, Cloud Mountain there, and I was teaching on the seven factors of enlightenment, so I thought I could just... And I was co-teaching with another nun, actually, with Aya Santusika, and I thought I can just teach on the seven factors of enlightenment here as well, because now I'm already in the swing of it. And, mm-hmm. and yeah. And I wanted today start just with a, a sutta in the Samyutta Nikaya, which is one of the four great books where, and it's, I really like that sutta, there is, um, on one occasion, the Blessed One was dwelling at Saketa in the deer park at An, Ani, Anchana Grove. Then the wanderer Kundalia approached the Blessed One and exchanged greeting with him. And then he, he asks, it's kind of, it goes on a bit, and then he, at the end he asks him a, quest, a question, and I really like that question. He asks him, what does Master Gautama live for? And then the Buddha answers, he says, Kundalia, the Tathagata, this is the Buddha referring to himself, the Tathagata lives for the benefit and fruit of true knowledge and liberation. But Master Gautama, what things, when developed and cultivated, fulfill true knowledge and liberation? The seven factors of enlightenment, Kundalia, when developed and cultivated, fulfill true knowledge and liberations. But Master Gautama, what things, when developed and cultivated, fulfill the seven factors of enlightenment? The four establishment of mindfulness or the four foundations of mindfulness, Kundalia, when developed and cultivated, fulfill the seven factors of enlightenment? And I thought that is a really good question to ask oneself too, isn't it? What does Master Gautama live for? And uh, and I think you, you all probably know about, do you know about what the four foundations of mindfulness are? Do you know that? Do you know the four foundations of mindfulness? I think so. Yeah? Sure. Yeah, because that's like the, you know, that's the general template in the Buddha's teaching about meditation is, you know, to cultivate mindfulness and clear comprehension in the four foundations of mindfulness, which is the first one is mindfulness foundation of the body, which is the physical body, you know, experiencing that through being aware of the breathing or being aware of sensations Mm -hmm. or contemplating the body parts or contemplating death, contemplating the elements. There's many different ways how that can be done. And then the second one is mindfulness of feeling tone, which is three feeling tones, you know, which accompany every moment of experience, either pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. And often, yeah, we want to only have the pleasant, we don't want the unpleasant, and we are not aware of the neutral. So this is just like a way of paying attention and not turning away. The third one is mindfulness of mind states, you know, of moods of the mind, 
whatever kind of a mood is has arisen, you know, like anger, ill will, desire, lust, boredom, you know, jealousy, envy, you know, you name it, all of them. There's so many different ones, you know. And just to know what we bring to our experience because through those through the mood of the mind, we kind of look through that, like looking through glasses, you know, and then we project that onto our experience if we are not aware of it. But if we're aware of it, then we can know it, and then there's a way, you know, to kind of, uh, you know, not project it unconsciously. And then the fourth one is foundation of tamas. This is the one, you know, where we then kind of, experience the way how nature works, you know. And and the seven factors of enlightenment are in those in that fourth foundation of mindfulness. And you know, whenever the hindrances are not present in the mind, then the seven factors of enlightenment are present to a certain extent. And we all have those seven factors of enlightenment, you know, in seed form in our minds. And then through the training, you know, in the four foundations of mindfulness, we can make them stronger, you know, we can cultivate them. That's what we do in the meditation. We don't do anything else but that, you know. And and then a Buddha is someone or an Arahant, you know, somebody who has perfected the seven factors of enlightenment through training him or herself in the four foundations of mindfulness. And, you know, and that's what we're all doing, basically, to a certain extent, you know. And we can take the hindrances or whatever is happening in the moment, we can take that as a launching pad, you know, for the cultivation of the seven factors of enlightenment. Because, you know, as soon as you're aware, you know, there is anger in the mind, then the first factor of enlightenment is already there, mindfulness. It's the first one. And then if we show an interest in the experience, you know, then the second factor of enlightenment kicks in, which is Dhamma Vichaya or investigation of Dhammas, or we can also call it curiosity or interest, you know, just taking an interest, what is happening. It's not like an intellectual, you know, investigation, but it's more like just being with the experience and knowing, you know, what is happening. And then in order to be able to do that, we need to have energy. That's the third one, virya. And then, you know, if we can really stay with our experience, then, you know, a certain quality can arise, which is, is the fourth one, is pity or joy or at least contentment, you know, of being just being in the present moment, not being distracted, then contentment just arises by itself. We don't have to make it happen, you know. The first three, there has, we have to really put in some energy and this is more like doing them, you know. It's like, walk, you know, kind of hiking up the mountain and then joy or pity or contentment is on the top, on, on the peak of the mountain. And then after that has arisen, then the next three, they are just like a natural progression, effortless, you know, which just laws of nature unfolding. And the next one, after there has been a certain measure of joy or contentment, the next one which arises is uh, tranquility, pasadi. 
So, you know, if the mind has been satisfied to a certain extent with some joy, you know, some contentment, then tranquility arises by itself. And then if there's tranquility, then the next one which arises is samadhi, or stability of mind, or collected mind, or focused mind. Sometimes also translated as concentration, but that's kind of, sounds a little bit dry, you know, so stability of mind is kind of a better way of naming it. Or collectedness, you know, like collectedness in the sense, you know, if you want to make a fire, you have to collect firewood. That way, you know, just the whole fragmentation kind of all, it's all coming together, you know, and then there's stability. And then after that has arisen the next and last one which arises is equanimity or equipoise. And in Bali it's called Upeka, it's also one of the four Brahmaviharas. And we can also like translate it as like having a perspective on our experience. You know, not being so kind of identified with it and seeing it in context. So the, the these are the seven factors of enlightenment and they have a the sequence, you know, it's the natural law how they arise. But you know, it's like they are but they are all, you know, first the first one arises and then the second one arises and the first one doesn't disappear. It's so they are kind of becoming, you know, they are joining each other and then in the end if Upeka has arisen, there are like seven facets of a, of a unity, you know, and then that, you know, if there is Upeka, for example, then the capacity for mindfulness increases and then, then there's more mindfulness and then there's more uh, curiosity of really wanting to understand what's happening and then their energy arises so it's like a spiral, you know, which is like going deeper and deeper into our experience and seeing more and more clearly, understanding more and more clearly the way things work, you know. Fourth foundation of mindfulness is about the laws of nature, you know, how nature works. And then through seeing that very clearly, we kind of adjust ourselves to that, you know, if we're really practicing. Our mind adjusts and certain expectations, you know, they just kind of get washed away, you know, because they are not in accordance with reality. They just produce a lot of suffering. So we just let, let them go, you know, but not by kind of suppressing them, but by really seeing clearly and then they just drop away, you know. And, uh, you know, and what is seen is, as you probably have all heard many times, is first what is seen is impermanence. And if that is really kind of seen and, you know, really understood through those, through the cultivation of the seven factors of enlightenment, then it will have an effect on our mind, you know, because it's completely meaningless, you know, to attach to that which is impermanent. And if the mind really can see that, you know, deeply, then, you know, we have a much more realistic approach to life and then we have much more happiness and contentment, you know, and then the minds, you know, will kind of much easier, you know, get still and and collected to a certain extent and then, you know, we can just see it. It's just like kind of everything is getting slowly but surely, you know, getting more and more powerful. The seven factors 
our minds get more and more strong and more and more stable and then the whole thing is just like kind of taking its course and you know, and that is can have, and some of you have had very good results with it, I think, you know. And it's basically just, you know, putting causes and conditions in place and taking advantage, you know, of understanding how nature works, basically. That's all, you know, and then kind of tuning in with that and not going against it, you know, because going against it is the synonym for producing suffering, basically, you know. And yeah. And that's the very good news, and I have to share <laughs> with you. And it's not particularly kind of difficult, you know, in terms of its intellectual challenge is not very big, you know, in order to understand this. But, you know, to have the discipline and to have the, the kind of uh, endurance, you know, to kind of hone those seven factors that's, that can be sometimes, you know, quite difficult if we don't want to meditate and if we don't want to turn towards our experience, then, you know, we, then that honing of the seven factors of enlightenment isn't happening and we are just like hanging out in the hindrances a lot and then we, you know, we kind of cultivate those hindrances become more and more stronger habits and it's going all in the wrong direction, you know. But as soon as if we're noticing it and and setting up you know mindfulness, then we can go in the other direction. And it's really up to us, you know, what we wanna do with our lives. So So I was wondering, do you would you like to comment on that or, or ask questions about it or share, you know, in your own practice if you have have you ever heard about the seven factors of enlightenment? Yeah. Yeah, I like I like your definition of the investigation of dhamma as curiosity. Yeah. So maybe you could expand on that a little bit because you know that intrigued me because I mean it's a it's a difficult one that one mm-hmm. to sort of grasp exactly what is meant by investigation of dhamma. Yeah, because it sounds like you know that you have to kind of think about it, you know, but I was just recently on a retreat with Venman Aleo, you know, and when he, when he speaks about the investigation of Damasis, for example, you know, if you meditate on the breath, you know, just taking an interest and knowing is the breath long or short, that's already Dhammavichaya, you know, it's not that you have to like, what, you know, kind of a red law of a whole sutta or, or like a whole list of something. It's just, you know, taking an interest, you know, how do I feel right now really, you know, or how is my breath or, you know, it's just a very, very simple. It's more like, you know, through the, the curiosity, it's more like it's, it's all about, you know, kind of increasing the capacity to stay in contact with reality, you know, and sensitizing the mind so it can really actually grasp what is, grasp, quote, unquote, you know, what's happening because people are sometimes so incapable, you know, of really being with their own experience because they have, like, not trained their minds, you know. It's basically, you know, to it's like 
you know, if the window is very dirty, cleaning the window so you can see what's going on outside. It's more like, like that, you know, kind of sensitizing the mind so that it it can connect with reality, you know, and not live somewhere up here in some kind of a story about it. And then, you know, kind of increasing the capacity to be affected by life as it is, not as you like as you think about it, you know. I think that's you know, like sharpening the like the tools, you know, or like uh, if you have a, a like how do you call that binoculars, you know, you, you you have to kind of tune in until and suddenly you you see it, you know. And that it is like that. The seven factors of enlightenment to kind of train them, you know. And then and then you see, you know, how and then you see in your own, you know, and then you can see in your own experience, you know, yes, it's really true, things are impermanent because you you see the ending of things, you know, because we usually always wanna we're always interested in beginnings, you know, of young, beautiful babies and you know, beginning new car or new dress and so and then when it gets old we don't wanna really pay attention to it, we are not interested. Then we just jump over the ending to the next new thing, you know? And then ha 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 and then again that kind of a feeling and then we feel like yeah and there's like a sense of of being somebody, you know. But when it when it gets all like like that, nobody wants to pay attention because it doesn't give you that feeling of being something. You know, it's it's kind of different. It's more like kind of like that. And we don't like that so much, you know. And and to just pay attention to the whole the the whole process, you know, from beginning, middle to the end. That's something we have to train ourselves in, you know. And, uh, you know, because otherwise the, what's like, what we understand as, you know, liberating is to really fully understand what impermanence is. We have to pay attention to the whole thing, you know, to the end as well. And that's also something, you know, which we can consciously do and that strengthens those seven factors incredibly, you know, because this is not something which necessarily comes easy, you know, to look at, for example, this could be my last breath, or look at contemplation of death, or, you know, really kind of staying with the experience. You were saying before we were speaking, you know, about that instruction with the breathing, beginning, middle and end, mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's something like that, and you still, you don't want to do it, yeah, mm-hmm. because... That's not something which we easily want to do, you know, because it, it feels like this is a lot of work, I don't want to do it. But that's, that's very good, you know, because then the mind is more, if you train yourself on the cushion like that, then in life, you know, we also have more capacity to stay for the whole, not, not, not only for the beginning, but through the whole thing till the end. Yeah. Yes. Um, how can you? I I struggle with if I have a negative emotion such as um, annoyance mm-hmm. or anger or something like that. If I don't know why I'm annoyed or angry, mm-hmm. I just recognize that I am. I find it very difficult to change that 
feeling. You don't have to change it. I mean, the thing is, you know, you don't have to know why and you don't have to change it. I mean, the thing is, the only thing which is liberating is if you, you know, increase your capacity to just stay with it, you know, and have have compassion for yourself, compassion for the situation, you know, which brought it up and then just make some space for it, you know, and and sometimes we need to do something, you know, but don't act from that kind of space of annoyance, just wait till it's a bit more, you know, it's a little bit kind of has found its own end because it the annoyance won't last forever, you know, and then act, you know, sometimes you need to change something, say something, you know, and sometimes there's nothing we can be do and sometimes we don't want to do anything because it's not worth it or so, mm-hmm. you know. But the most important thing in order to be able to make the right decision is to first just be with it as it is and then feel like the resistance to it, you know. But don't go with it, you know. It's natural to resist unpleasant feeling, you know. But just stay with it. Yeah. And then, you know, you lose more and more the resistance and you can more and more stay with it and... It's just not gonna upset you so much yeah, anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would be, you know, like for example, you feel that annoyance coming up, and then you 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 become aware of that you wanna turn away from it, and the resistance, you know, and then mm-hmm. all of that. When if you know that with mindfulness, you know, then it's already the first factor of enlightenment there, you know. And then also knowing, oh, it feels like this is curiosity, and staying with it is energy, you know. And then, and then it maybe bring in some, um, some self, you know, compassion or metta for yourself that you feel how it feels, you know. But not, not shutting down, you know, because it's gonna end by itself. And then you learn from it and then maybe you can, you know, take care of by speaking with that person. Maybe somebody did something, you know, which either, you know, which they can maybe not do. Or sometimes, you know, nothing can be done. Then you might not want to go there anymore. Or if it's just like, you know, a little, maybe a little child, you know, doing something, then you're just going to deal, you know, just going to let it be because they don't know what they're doing or something. Yeah. I was listening to a, a talk with Arjun Brahman, he talked, always talking about being gentle. Yeah. And uh, is that what he's talking about, the same thing? Exactly, yeah. 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 Being gentle with yourself, you know. And at the end I want to actually read one of the poems again, you know, from the Bikuni book. And he exactly speaks about that, you know. Because that's what we need to learn, you know, to be gentle with ourselves so that we can, you know, stay with our experience and then respond, you know, from that having embraced it, you know, and then responding from that rather than reacting like to just be quickly rid of it, you know. Yeah. That's very, the gentleness is is completely very, very important, you know, in order to develop wisdom, you know. You have to be able to stay with your experience. I sort of felt like when I was meditating, if I just, uh, nothing had arisen, but just 
sort of audible gentleness. Yeah. And pity, pity started arising. Yeah, yeah. Because it's just a bit, almost like using gentle as a as a mantra or something. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, it's 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 not something which you know which because we tend to be very self-critical, isn't it? Often, yeah. Out of fear, you know, that we won't succeed or we we would make a mistake, and then thinking, you know, if we are beating ourselves up, that's gonna work, you know, but it doesn't really work. Gentleness works much better, you know. So if we could treat, you know, ourselves as we treat a good friend, you know, that that's the right way to do it, you know. But somehow we don't we don't do it if we don't if not if we are not kind of having a that insight, you know, that this is works much, much better than being harsh with ourselves. And it's often much easier to be compassionate with somebody else, isn't it? Then with oneself is difficult. Yeah. yeah. That used to be so hard for me <clears throat> when we would do the meta at the end of our evening meditation and you could meditate to yourself. Uh-huh. That was so hard. Yeah. And I, I, I know when, we, when I first was listening, I, I was just pushing away. I could just feel... I can't do this, and yeah. I don't want to know why. I just can't do it, and I thought I'm not coming next week. You know, we're going to do it, and, and it took a long, long time. But now you can do it. Oh yes, great. Yes. But it, it was hard, really hard. And then now, because I, I have that for myself, it's so much easier to give meta to others. It's yeah. so much easier. Exactly. And it was like a huge obstacle, you know. Yeah. And I thought. Oh, I can give you meta. I can give you meta, and then, ugh. <laughs> you know, I can't. Yeah. And, and yeah, it took me a long time to be with that enough to let go. That's yeah. been my lesson the last two years. Is letting go <laughs> huge lesson. Yeah. yeah, great. I mean, it's so wonderful if it, you know, if you come to that point, and then if you really have a good result, isn't it? Just, then you have a lot of kind of faith. You know, you can go more and more because you. See, it's really, it really works, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You used the term that resonated with me. It's hanging out with the hindrances. Yeah. I've never heard that term before. It resonated very well with me. Uh, how, why is it that we get stuck so often? I find I get stuck again. And again and again. It's a habit, yeah. And habit energy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, because it's like grooves, you know. Some hindrances are like groove in chiseled in rock, you know, it takes a very long time to to kind of you know, through cultivation to even that out. And some are just like like maybe in sand, you know, a little groove in sand so it's much easier and others is like just like drawing on water, you know, comes and goes immediately. So it just depends on our past, you know. And and maybe even past lives, you know, because children are born with different, you know, characters. So yeah, it's it can be hard work to to work oneself out of it, you know. But you know, we have to start where we are. There, we have no other option than that, isn't it? It's better to start now than to start tomorrow. 
because then it's just slightly less work. Yeah. Do you have any suggestions with working with uh, extreme restlessness and agitation? Yeah, so I, I think I'm just think that I think that it's just the same thing, you know. We just have to have, we just have to have uh, a lot of patience, you know, with ourselves. I mean, there is no other way. We can't do anything else than to be where we are and then, you know, be with the restlessness and and then you know if there's anything you can you can do in your life, you know, to Maybe you know sometimes certain things just have to have to be get have to be done, you know <coughs> maybe just take care of the things and then and maybe do walking meditation that can also help you know if we just can't sit because it's too intense mm-hmm. and going I would say that, and then or <coughs> maybe doing some guided meditations that can help you know. Because they can help focusing, you know, mm-hmm. and maybe lying down, you know, and doing having headphones and doing a guided meditation mm-hmm. that could ha- that helps me sometimes, you know, if I'm very restless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and otherwise it just because if you really there's a lot on your plate and you feel extremely restless and you just feel you get more and more annoyed actually if you're just sitting then. Don't do it because then you just get more and more aversion to the practice. Then I, I, I would just do a guided meditation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have a thing where I, if I feel like I'm suddenly breaking through into some different stage of meditation, like I feel like my legs are disappearing, mm-hmm. or I suddenly see a crystal clear image, mm-hmm. and I get all excited. I mean, you know, just also making, make, you know, being conscious of it, you know. If you feel the fear coming up, you know, for example, then just be mindful of, of the fear, that there's the fear there and try at the same time, you know, to stay with that image and at one point, you know, it will, you know, if you put causes and conditions in place, I think at one point it will, you know, it will progress further, but until you're ready, you know, for it. I think, well, maybe it uh, has to come up more, a few more times and then... You get used to it, you know. get used to it, so yeah. instead of being startled by it. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like, you know, learning is any skill, an you know, instrument, learning to drive a car. I mean, you need to just put in the time, isn't it? And with meditation, is is not different, really. Yeah. yeah. And then also noticing, you know, how we feel, uh, you know, can we feel fascinated if, if something unusual happens, you know? And then we, we just hold on to it, you know? And then it can become really an obstacle, actually, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, chasing after certain kind of glimpses of something we have had, you know, it, it can be really, it can become an obstacle to the meditation, you know. Yeah, I try not to do that, I just yeah. stay with it. Yeah. yeah. I don't think about that, so. 
Yeah, that's good. That's good. You know, to just whatever happens, you know, just really stay conscious. You know, the craving for a special experience or the fear. You know, when then something happens and the kind of fear of going with it, and it all it's all part of the meditation. It's not like it's not in the way, but it is the way. You know, because all of those things they are it's all part of the human experience. Yeah. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.